is Christian Questions. John Wooden once said, Consider the rights of others before your own feelings, and the feelings of others before your own rights. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christian Questions Talk Radio with a Purpose with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Rick, that perspective is based on godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, all in a politically free zone. Jonathan, the best part is this. We talk and you listen, and then you talk and we listen. You can also contact us at our website, ChristianQuestions.net. I'm Rick. And I'm Jonathan. And we're glad you've chosen to spend some time with us this morning. And Jonathan, what is our subject on this foggy Sunday morning here in eastern Connecticut? Well, Rick, our question is, can gay rights and Christianity coexist? I said it was a foggy morning, and that's a foggy subject. (laughs) Yes, it is. And our theme text is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. And Jonathan, sometimes subjects stimulate the heart and not the mind, and others stimulate the mind and not the heart. And then there are those that do both. Yes. To an extreme. (laughs) Today we have such a subject. Gay rights, gay marriage, and Christianity. How should we view these things? Should we, as Christians, be redefining our vision of families? Should we be focusing on being compassionate and understanding? How much of the Bible is relevant to this issue here in the 21st century? Folks, stay with us this morning as we honestly and respectfully take this journey through this very, very difficult subject. And Jonathan, even in, in, in the uh, conversation we were having before the program started this morning, uh, this is a tough subject. It is. It's hard uh, not to get over-emotional about exactly. it. Exactly. And the reason for that, uh, there's, there's a lot of reasons for that, but you know, this is dealing with the very core of how people feel inside of themselves, mm-hmm. about themselves, and about others. Yes. And when you get into issues that deal with that very core, you are definitely going to be uh, going down a road that's that just, it's very hard to traverse. And again, we need to do this very respectfully. Absolutely. So, folks, we're going to be taking your calls on gay marriage. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, how should, what, as Christians, should we be rewriting our approach to this matter? Should we uh, be, you know, sort of setting up for a big fight? What, what, what do you think? Where do you think we should sit as Christians? We'd love to hear your thoughts. I just want to stress to you that all of our discussion will be respectful. Now, you may not like the other side of an issue. That's great. That's fine. That's, that's okay. We can hear you say that. But do it respectfully. 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.net. Okay, let's get started with this. Uh, is it right to judge others whose lives are simply different than ourselves? That, that's just, okay... Look, they live their lives, you live your life, why don't you just leave them alone and they can leave you alone and you can both be happy in your own worlds? Should we be dealing with this that way? Or should we be meddling in the lives of others and saying, no, 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 you can't do that? 
Good that, question. That's a loaded question for you. <laughs> We're going to be going uh, t- for a lot of our sound bites this morning to a Dr. Phil program that he actually did a remarkable job. And this was, I think, back in 2009. Uh, it was a program on same-sex marriage. And he had uh, experts from both sides of the issue okay. on the program, and they were debating back and forth on several parts of this. And he had, of course, had audience participation. So this helps to put this in perspective because you can certainly feel the emotion that each side is bringing to the table. So uh, let's go to our first soundbite from this from Dr. Phil. Again, I think it was 2009, uh, his program on same-sex marriage. My question to this woman who's, who, when she said don't equate race with sexuality, she called uh, being gay a sexual preference. Now, I never made a choice to be gay. I was born this way. Do you think what we would have suffered the discrimination, the hate, the murders, and the, the, the beatings that we've had throughout our lives because we're gay, because this is a choice that we want? This is a, a biological thing that has given been given to us that has been excuse me that has no, been come on let him finish come on guys let, this let, has let been given finish. to us by god and we have embraced who we are and we love ourselves and we just ask you as we love you we are all children of god and we ask that you love us and you can hear the, I mean, the emotion there wow. is like at a, at a fever it pitch is, through that is. whole program. But he brings up a point. He says, okay, look, th- this is not my preference. This is the way I was born. And, and Jonathan, I know there are debates about that. Okay. And for this morning, what I would like to do as we approach the subject is to let's just assume that it is not a preference. Let's just assume that people who are gay are born that way. Okay. Be- because I don't think we need to be arguing about that point. I think we need to be looking at the larger picture. All right. All right, so let's just assume that. Maybe that's right. Maybe that's wrong. I don't know. All I know is if we just assume that, you're giving the benefit of the doubt, so to speak. Right, right. I'd rather do that as we approach this. So he said, okay, well, you know, God uh, God made me this way. Mm-hmm. All right, l- let's start with that, that point right there. First point is... And folks, listen very clearly on this and listen to the whole statement. You know, I'm so paranoid that I'm going to get taken out of context. I know. This is a tough one. <laughs> and you know what? Careful, I'm, careful. I, I am convinced <laughs> that I'm going to make people on both sides mad, but that's okay. <laughs> We're going to do our best. First point, God did not make anyone gay. He didn't. Nor did he make anyone straight. God didn't make me short. And Jonathan, am I short? You are sure. Yes, I am, okay? <laughs> and God did not give Jonathan this great melodious voice that he has. Okay? Those are things, products of birth, products of genetics. God's hand was not in, I mean, while I was growing, he didn't have his hand on the top of my head to keep me Pushing from, you down. Right. <laughs> he didn't make anybody gay. He didn't make anybody straight. He just allowed us to grow up in this world naturally through genetics. Okay? Makes sense. A couple of scriptures. Psalm 51.5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. And Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We are all products of a sinful and unfair world. Yes. Okay? So, to, to say, well, God made me this way, therefore... I would say, stop, time out, that's not, you know, the only one God made the way he made them, you have Adam, you have Eve, and then you have Jesus. What do they all have in in common? Perfection. 
other than that, we are all out of the mix in terms of God making us this way or that way. Good point. Okay? So, just let's keep that in mind. So, in this sinful world, there are, if you believe in the Bible, that is, some basic and universal examples uh, for living, okay, in terms of how we're supposed to live. And we're going to go to some scriptures for, for designing the, the guidelines for living. And again, folks, if you have a thought, we're talking about gay rights and gay marriage and Christianity. Can they coexist? Uh, our number is 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And we want to hear what you have to say about today's topic. Post your comments on our Facebook page and our blog. Go to ChristianQuestions.net. And also sign up for CQ Rewind, especially sign up for the full edition. A lot of notes in here. There's a lot of stuff at the end and the bonus material, bonus material yes. that we just can't cover because this is a monster, monster subject in terms of the size and the scope of it. So ChristianQuestions.net, sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition. And if you do that, you'll get the first look at the brand new Christian Questions logo. How just, about just that? Just saying, it's there on CQ Rewind, full edition. Check sign it up. out. Okay. Okay, the model, the examples for living. Genesis 20, uh, 2, verses 20 through 24. The man gave names to all cattle and to the birds of the air and to every animal of the field. But for the man, there was not found a helper as his partner. So God in creation puts man in, in place and it leaves him by himself. Go ahead. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. And then he took one of his ribs and closed it up in the place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman, for out of man this one was taken. Therefore a man leaves his father and his mother and clings to his wife, and they become one flesh. And Jonathan, that is the original model for living by God. Now, obviously, if you don't believe in the Bible, you say, well, that's a bunch of baloney. We'll get to back, to back to that later, because that is an original model for living, even if you don't believe in God. There's a good point. Okay. Just wait, wait for that. Yeah, yeah that, that one's coming. The only appropriate partner for the man was the woman, mm -hmm. okay, and they were built to be complementary to each other. They were built differently for many, many, many reasons. So you have the model, all right? Now, with that model in mind, I want to go to another Dr. Phil uh, soundbite here about, uh, and this is a, a, a young woman, uh, she's probably in her 30s, talking about her own life growing up in a gay household. Hi, I just wanted to quickly touch and say that I'm a product of a gay marriage. Uh, well, actually, unfortunately, my, uh, my uncle, my father, couldn't get married. I was raised by two men, and I want to say I think they did an exceptional job. My home was nothing but wonderful. We had traditional family values. We had holidays. I saw nothing but love and healthy things were invited in my home. And those two men did a phenomenal job. And when my, when my uncle died back in 2002, my father was not entitled to his social security rights. We had to get a directive to even go into the ICU because we were not considered immediate family. This man raised me for 27 years of my life and I could barely hold his hand when he died. So it should be for everybody. Please just change, open your heart a little bit. My family was good. My father and my, and my uncle are amazing men. You have a very compelling argument. You do. That, okay, I was, I was raised by two men in a gay relationship, and I'm fine. They were fine. They treated me well with respect. They parented me, and just leave them alone. 
You know, that's that's kind of the, the resounding thought. Just leave them alone. They're different, but different doesn't mean they're bad. Okay, that's that's kind of the message. Gotcha. Okay, so obviously some of us are wired differently. We are. Now, does that mean that because we're wired differently that we have to change the rules to match all of everybody's wiring? That would be tough. It, well, it, and, and here's the thing. Do we have to change the rules for everybody to match the other people's wiring? Let me, let me give you an example. All right. Okay, and I've got, I've got some examples throughout the program. They're going to get a little bit more complicated as we go through. But just to get things started, let's say, um, Jonathan, let's say you love to eat peanuts. I do. Do you really love to eat peanuts? And I'm allergic to them. Are you really? I am. Oh, I didn't know that. Because <laughs> that's my example. I know. I saw it. I'm okay. like, hey, <laughs> he's talking about okay. me. <laughs> so you love to eat peanuts, but you can't eat them. Right. Okay. Now, do you have like a really serious peanut allergy? No, it's just an irritating allergy. Okay. But you, suppose you had one of those serious ones where your throat closes up. Oh, yeah. You know, and because there's a lot of people my that are like My sister-in-law. Okay. One, just a, a touch of an oil, and she can't breathe at all. Okay. So. You have this peanut allergy, and it's very, it can be deadly serious. Okay. It's not fair that you have to have that allergy, and I don't. You love peanuts. So yep. do I. I get to eat them. You don't. Right. All right? So being the, the person that you are having that allergy, you say, okay, Rick, you know what? Because I have this allergy, it's not fair. So I think that people like you should be banned from eating peanuts because I can't. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, is it? I know. See, the, is that something? That doesn't something, make sense. Okay. And... Just because you can't doesn't mean I shouldn't. You're right. Okay? So, in dealing with the gay relationship, gay marriage thing, that's a principle that we need to look at. Okay? When we look and say, okay, certain things are allowable, certain things are not, just because someone can't doesn't mean everybody else shouldn't. Doesn't mean you shut the door on everybody and right. everything. Right. Th that's not fair. Well, in itself. Right. There's a lot of things that are not fair here. So, as we go through this subject, folks, gay marriage is a very difficult subject. There's a lot to it. We are just getting started. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Can Gay Rights and Christianity Coexist? Coming up with Dr. Phil, should same-gender couples have the same right as a convicted felon to marry? That's the argument. Should they? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Can Gay Rights and Christianity Coexist? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.net. And Jonathan, I think that we ought to just put ourselves uh, out there and, and give a very specific perspective on this right away. And I should have done it last segment, didn't. Um, let, let, let's answer that question. Can gay, gay rights and Christianity coexist? I think the answer is to a limited degree they can. Okay. Okay, I absolutely positively do not believe uh, in gay marriage. Absolutely, positively don't. I have a real problem, and folks, I'm just going to be blunt here, just so you know where, where Rick is coming from. I have a real problem uh, with gay couples raising children, because I think every child has a right to a father and a mother. And again, if you want to disagree, you can certainly call in and discuss it with us. We're happy to talk about it with you. Uh, but on the other side of the issue, I don't have a problem with if you have gay couples that uh, uh, um, want to live together, I don't have a problem with giving them legal rights. But don't 
call it marriage. And we'll get into the specific reasons. There's, I have a boatload of reasons personally why I think you shouldn't call it marriage. It's because it is something different. Okay, and we'll get into that. Now, on the other side of this, now that I've you know, lowered the boom, let me say this. I personally know several gay individuals that are some of the best people I have ever met. They have integrity, they are kind, they are compassionate, they are hardworking, they're ethical, and I love them. I truly love those people. I go to their home and because they're great people. I, and, and they're friends. They are, they are friends. So I think that's part of learning how to deal with this whole thing and how to put it all in, in some kind of a perspective. So having said that, uh, let's get started. Let's get back to scriptures here. Do, do our, does our Christian perspective treat everyone equally and fairly? Well, let's look at 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, because this is going to help us to understand what treating people equally and fairly really means. Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, male prostitutes, sodomites, thieves, the greedy, drunkards, revilers, robbers, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you used to be. Now see, it gives this list of all kinds of things. And then it says, that's what some of you used to be. be. Okay, I think that is where we start to draw lines and begin to get understanding in terms of Christianity. Let's finish this. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. So, I'm going to get back to the scripture after you go to another Dr. Phil soundbite here, but that's what some of you used to be. And notice, Jonathan, it's a long list. Oh, it is. It's huge. And it includes a lot of different things. It does. So let's keep that in mind. Let's go now to this uh, Dr. Phil program he did a few years ago uh, on same-sex marriage. He had people debating on it uh, back and forth from both sides of the issue. We can talk. We can, we can talk. We can talk kindly. Because Peterson, a convicted murderer, has, who has murdered his wife and his unborn child, has the right to marry in California, even though he's undeserving of that right. And same-gender couples who've been together for 50 years and who are deserving to have their loving commitment recognized under the law are denied that right. There's something wrong with that. This Okay, now she brings up an interesting point. That's Gloria Alred that was uh, giving that, uh, that point. And this was taking place in California. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I, her point is, okay, you've got a convicted felon who can get married, and yet these people... A who, murderer. Right, right. These people who, who have been you know, convicted in their love to one another can't. Well, you know, something's wrong with that. It, it, it's not fair. And you look at that from the outside, looking and say, yeah, you know, there, there's, there's an inconsistency there. And there is. So what do you do with it? How do you handle it? Where do you put it? How do you get this all to work together? Well, let's just remember that 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11 scripture. We're going to come back to it in a minute. But Jonathan, again, just because we feel a certain way or we are wired a certain way doesn't mean that life is going to be fair for us. That's true. Okay? Just because we're born a certain way doesn't mean that life is going to work out exactly the way we want it. Okay, and let me give another example. All right. All right. And, and this, this has seeds of truth to it. <laughs> it's, a, it, it it's about me, seeds of truth, but I'm, I'm embellishing it a lot. Okay. okay. All right. You know, I love basketball. You know yes. that. Yes, I okay? do. And I really want to be an NBA player. Not really, but you know, <laughs> let, go with me on the story. Okay. Problem is I'm only five foot four inches tall. Okay. And I am not physically gifted. So I know what I want. And I know, and I'm willing to work hard, but I can't do it. It's not fair. 
Just because some other guy is tall and gifted doesn't mean he should be able to get what he wants because I can't get what I want. Okay? It's not fair. I think that the NBA should mandate that there be at least two players on each team under five foot eight. I'm being generous. Yes, you are uh, four inches. That's right. <laughs> under five foot eight and that these players be required to have regular playing time and of course equal contracts. Oh, really? Okay, by the way, people have told me, Oh, Rick, be a jockey instead. <laughs> a horse jockey. Yeah, because they're short. Okay. But I don't like horses. You don't. So, you know, are you, are you telling me that you're going to divert my desire away from my dream and try to get me what I don't want to be? You know, who do you think you are? And so, folks, there's a dilemma there. There's a dilemma because I want to be something that I can't essentially be. Just because I'm built differently doesn't mean others have to change or redefine what they do and always have done well to make room for me and my preferences. Good point. Just because I'm built differently doesn't mean that everybody else has to say, okay, we're going to change everything that we do. Just for you. Just for you. You know, because honestly, that's a that may be a dream, but it's just a fantasy in my head that just never would have come true. And incidentally, I gave up on that a long time ago. <laughs> okay, and I think that just helps us to understand how to put this all into some perspective of where gay rights fit and don't fit. You're listening to Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Can Gay Rights and Christianity Coexist? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.net. So, Jonathan, I guess w what I'm saying here is sometimes we look at, at issues like this and say, well, because it's not fair, we need to make adjustments. And my answer to that is we can never create a fair world in a world that is run by sin. Yes. Sin just inherently takes fairness out of the picture. We can do the best we can to get up to a level of fairness. Now, I think, um, well, well, before I get to in, into what I think, here's an interesting question. Why doesn't Jesus talk about gay relationships? I mean, why don't we have any words of Jesus speaking pro or con on it? Because certainly that would just, like, settle the issue it would for Christianity. It, it? Well, here's what Jesus said. The fact is he doesn't say anything about gay relationships whatsoever. And you say, well, well, why doesn't he, you know, didn't he know that this would be an issue? And, folks, the answer is yes, he did. Of course he did. So why didn't he? Because I think the answer is real simple. The Old Testament law did not allow gay, quote, relationships. It didn't say that the Old Testament law didn't allow for people to be born gay. It just did not allow for gay relationships. And Jesus did verify the sacredness of the relationships that were God-honored and God-sanctioned. See, there's a lot of Christians that want to bend the rule to a point in saying, well, Jesus, you know, preached love everybody. Yes, he did. Jesus preached, you know, accept people. Yes, he did. But Jesus also did that in the context of drawing them from where they were as sinners to a higher way of living. Mm -hmm. And we go back to that 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 scripture, all of those things, you know, thieves and greedy and drunkards and revilers and robbers, none of these inherit the kingdom. And such were some of you, mm -hmm. but you've changed. But it's not saying that one is worse than the other. They're, right. they're all sin. Right, right. Okay, let's get to Matthew nineteen three to 6, because this is Jesus speaking of the kind of relationships that he believes are God-sanctioned. Some Pharisees came to Jesus testing him and asking, 
Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? And he answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. So Jesus is specific in what God has joined together, and he gives no allowance for living outside of that particular uh, kind of a relationship. Um, so it, it's a very important uh, aspect that we look at this from, from the standpoint of what G- Jesus did teach us about human relationships that were acceptable in the sight of God. Jonathan, let's go to the phones. All right, well, we have Tom from Kentucky. Good morning, Tom, and welcome to Christian Questions. Hey, good morning, good morning. Good morning. Um, yes, I was uh, on the way... Uh on the way home from work, and I happen to, I usually listen to you guys, and I'm kind of, kind of, you know, I usually don't, I actually never called into a radio station, but once you start talking about this, I really, you know, felt, you know, felt I needed to actually open my mouth and, and give these guys some, you know, a little bit of insight. Uh, um, I was married and had a daughter and wasn't a good, you know, wasn't a good, uh, you know, it wasn't a good marriage, I should say. Mm-hmm. And, well, when me and my wife divorced, my ex-wife divorced, um, my ex-wife met another woman. And she's been, you know, with another woman for roughly, mm, I'd say probably about 12 years now. Mm-hmm. And my daughter, um, as well, met, you know, I had custody of my daughter um, due to the lifestyle that my ex-wife was living um, because... You know, in the place where we came from, it was kind of, you know, mm-hmm. frowned upon. And so my uh, daughter, which I, I really think that is it is learned behavior, uh, just due to the fact that I was not a good man or a good husband or a good father due to um, alcohol. Mm-hmm. And so when my daughter saw that, now that her mother had met somebody that was really, you know, nice and loving and, and so forth, it pretty much, you know, I think it actually turned the tides with my daughter. Interesting. Because she, you know, they both are, you know, lesbians now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so more, I just really think it's learned behavior. And if you really look at it at a, you know, a, a nature's, uh, perspective. Hey, Tom, I'm, I'm going to have to move you along here because we're, we're getting a little bit shy on time here. Okay. Well, I just think that uh, if, if you were meant to be, and if you were born gay or lesbian, through time, you would actually become extinct. <laughs> okay. Um, because you would, there would be no way to procreate, um, you know, if, if, it was, if it was meant to be. Okay. If you were, go ahead. All right, Tom, uh, again, I'm sorry to, to rush you, but we do have to move no, on ahead, here. Really, truly appreciate your your calling in and your comments and your willingness to share a very difficult personal experience. God bless you in that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank, Thank you very much. Take care, Tom. Yes, sir. Thank you. See, Jonathan, this is a very real, very practical, very difficult, very important subject, and Tom's call really reflects that. And, you know, he's got a, a perspective that, uh, you know, it, it 
he said it can be learned behavior. I agree. It certainly can be. Mm-hmm. Does it mean it always is? I don't know. Let's not get into that. But he brings out the point of just the life that he lived and the situation that he was in uh, made it very made life very very difficult. I want to quick get to another soundbite here because there's something said here that we want to use to sort of kick off the next segment. Again, this is from the Dr. Phil program. This is the mayor of a city uh, in California. Mr. Mayor, my, my point of view is let people live their lives. Let people live their lives with dignity and respect and honor without feeling oppressed, without feeling that people of different points of view are oppressing their points of view on them. What I call for, what I believe in, is the capacity for people uh, to live their dreams regardless of their sexual orientation, regardless of their gender, regardless of their race. Equality, you cannot run the 90-yard dash and call separate an institution that is separate equal quality is treating people equally and fairly again regardless of their sexual orientation we have got to stand on the principle of full equality for the gay and lesbian community all right so again you 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 pull on the heartstrings and you say that just let them be let's all be equal so that means i can play in the nba even though i'm five four and 54 years old and a little fat around the middle <laughs> it's not possible <laughs> because i want to see there's a the, the 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 reasoning breaks down when you have things that are legitimately different right and we're going to we're going to touch on that in the in the next segment uh, a little bit further uh, jonathan just going back to jesus one uh, one one more quick moment you know jesus sanctioned obviously sanctioned um, marriage. Yes, he did. He quoted from the Old Testament. He put it in perspective, and he actually made divorce harder to come by. Good point. If you follow Jesus' instructions on divorce, it's much more difficult to get a divorce than it would have been in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Much mm-hmm. more difficult. So he yes. was not only sanctioning marriage, he was firming up how important it was. The one man, one woman concept. So we've got that from the words of Jesus. Doesn't he talk about gay relationships? No, he didn't have to because that's what the acceptable relationship was if you're going to be a Christian. Ah, wait a minute. There's a condition. Okay, there is a condition here, and uh, I guess we'll have to talk about that as time goes on. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Can Gay Rights and Christianity Coexist? Coming up, how could a gay couple marrying who you don't know affect your marriage. Why don't we just let them be? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning Can gay rights and Christianity coexist? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.net. And Jonathan, as we continue this conversation, I want to remind uh, the listeners that, uh, look, this is a very volatile subject. We'd love to hear from you, but we want to be very particular about how we present things. 
I don't mind if you have a very specific opinion one way or the other, and if it's a very strong opinion, wonderful. We like that. We like the fact that you have a strong opinion. Uh, but what we want to do is make sure that we, re- we present that opinion with respect for people on the other side. Yes. So just keep that in mind. Do some? Why should some stranger's marriage, gay or not, affect me? I don't know them. They live in another state. I'll never see them. Why should that bother and affect me? That's an important question. It is. And I think that there's an important answer to that, but to set the context for the answer, let's go to Romans chapter 1, verses 20 to 23. For since of the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being misunderstood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of a corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling things. So in this this text, Jonathan, it's talking about the world walking away from God. Right. And whenever... This is talking about all the ungodly and all of the unrighteous. Okay, so this is not just zeroing in on on homosexual behavior or something like that. No. It becomes a part of the discussion a few verses later. But what this is is a sweeping indictment of all who are outside of God's favor. That's right. Paul is saying here that whatever we do or think that is not ultimately in praise of God is actually idolatry. It is. And that's one of the things that when we look at the way the scriptures laid out the man and woman relationship, and the scriptures did lay it out, if we step outside of that, that qualifies as idolatry. Worshipping the created versus exactly, the creator. Because we seem to think that we know more or know better than that. Um, Jonathan, let's, uh, let's actually let's go to the phones first before we go to another soundbite. All right. We have Darren from Tennessee. Good morning, Darren, and welcome to Christian Questions. Hi. Hi. Um, I just had a, a kind of a, a concept that I discussed with a few people about. I believe marriage is a religious institution, and unfortunately, we've kind of made it into a, a tax form. And um, you know, I don't go to the Jewish com- uh, community and say, "I'm 52 and I want a bar mitzvah." It should be my right to have a bar mitzvah. Um, you know, that's a religious ceremony that, that's allotted to to that particular religion. And, and as a Christian, marriage is a religious institution to me. Okay. So what you're saying is that why, why should we put our, our, our religious institution rules on, on others who are not our religion? Right. It, it seems that the gay community says marriage should be my right. Well, then I guess a bar mitzvah should be my right and I should be able to go to the Jewish community and say, <laughs> you know what? I want a bar mitzvah because well, it should be my right. Okay. What, one of the points about that, though, I think that's important, is that when you understand, if you go to non-religious societies, they still have marriage. You know, look, right. at, look at Rome. Rome had very specific rules about marriage and, and divorce. They were not religious. And so um, I see what you're saying, and um, it, it comes down to it is a religious institution, but it is also a secular institution from the beginning of time. And, and I think the United States has, has made this part of our tax code in order to go ahead and get some, and, and, and part of the, the legal code, because <laughs> yes. in order to get certain tax rights, in order to get right. the, the right of, of, uh, of inheritance and things like that, it has to do with, you know, next of kin and, and marriage. And, and I think that's unfortunate. I think that, that if we could change some of the laws of the tax code to include, you know, their rights as, as a form of inheritance and, and a form of, of next of kin, 
the religious overtones of, of, of uh, marriage as an institution that all people should have, um, you could probably solve some of those issues. Well, and I think you, you're on to something there. Uh, Darren, we need to move along. We really appreciate okay. your calling in. Sure. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye-bye. See, now he brought up an important point that, okay, you know, there is a there is a religious aspect to marriage. I mean, I look at it from a religious standpoint very much. Absolutely. But there is a secular aspect to marriage as well. And he's saying, okay, if you just put rules in place that give a gay couple some of the same secular rights, then why do we make this an issue? And I agree with him on that. Okay, I have probably, I don't know what his limitations would be. I, in my mind, there are some limitations, not from a religious standpoint, but from a secular standpoint that I think are important because we're talking about rights. And just before our next, uh, because this is going to sort of answer the next soundbite a little bit. Okay, uh, your next, next example? Yes. Uh, the, well, no, not the next example, but, but in my mind, we forget always, we forget the rights of children. Good point. And to me, a child has a right to a mother and a father. And when you bring a child into a situation where they are guaranteed to not be able to have both of those, I think you're violating that child's rights. And I think the child's rights in that case, that basic, basic human right to a mother and a father, I think is more important than how we feel about things. Mm. Now you can take there that any way you want, but uh, all right, let's go. Let's go back to uh, another Dr. Phil um, soundbite from his program on same-sex marriage he did in 2009. I think the most interesting point in this show was when Jennifer was asked the question about how their marriage, David's and his partner's marriage, impacts hers, and you weren't quite able to articulate how that happened. And, 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 and I say that because I think for all of us to open our hearts to what's really going on here, what we ought to be talking about is the real disparities and the real inequities that they face, and that they face in the loss of marriage equality. I don't think that, that good people, I don't think that good, good Christians want anyone to suffer, want anyone's families to be harmed or be treated inequitably in any way. And I don't think that we fully discussed that, and, and, and I don't think that you would want that for anyone. So basically he's saying, look, we don't want to treat, you're good Christians, you don't want to treat anybody inequitably. And you're right, we don't. We don't. We don't, but we do want to treat them in a godly way. See, and that's where you have to really put this all into, into perspective. Again, folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday morning from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And you should check out CQ Rewind, um, the full edition, at ChristianQuestions.net. And uh, there's some interesting things that we have in there, Rick. Yeah, there, there's issues that we deal with in the bonus material that we're not even going to mention here. For instance, there are folks who say that the relationship between the Old Testament relationship between David, you know, King David, David and Goliath David, right. and Jonathan, his best friend. Saul's son. Right. There are, there are, there's a scripture that sort of gives you the idea that maybe they were gay. Maybe they had a, literally, people say that, well, this scripture shows that they had a gay relationship. We've got an answer for that, a very clear and distinct answer for that in Seeker Rewind, the bonus material. It's available exclusively at ChristianQuestions.net. You can sign up. It's free. There's no obligation. Try it out. You're going to like it. Um, Jonathan, let's go back to this issue about, okay, you know, just, you don't want to treat people inequitably. You want them to be able to live their lives. Yeah. Okay? Okay. Let's take that to another step. And folks, I'm going to give you an example that's a little bit over the top, and it's over the top on purpose. I apologize ahead of time for using this as an example, but 
Let's say you have a 50-year-old man who's deeply in love with not one, but six, one, two, three, four, five, six, 13 to 15-year-old girls. They all want to marry, and they're all happy with the multiple wife thing. Shouldn't we just let them live their lives? They truly love each other. After all, the girls are old enough to decide what to do with their own bodies without parental in, uh, interference. I mean, they can get abortions and their parents aren't, don't even need to know, right? That's true. Okay, so the girls are old enough to decide what to do with their bodies. And this thing about being 18, uh, you know, it's just arbitrary number anyway. These girls are specifically, they're very mature, and they're way beyond their years and their maturity. So why don't we let that 50-year-old man and these six 13 to 15-year-old girls all get married and live together? Why don't we do that? And you're looking, you're listening, saying, what is wrong with you, Rick? <laughs> Why are you saying this? Well, and here's the point, Jonathan. The bottom line question here is where do you, folks, I'm talking to you now, where do you draw the line? See, each of us has a point at which we say, no, it's just not right to go there. And that's why we brought up that very ridiculous example. And what if it's your daughter in that example? Yeah, yeah right, <laughs> right, right. The question is, where do you draw your line? And what are the reasons that you have that are so compelling to say to somebody, no, you cannot live your life the way you want to because it's wrong? Follow me? I what, do. what are your compelling reasons? What makes the line that you draw so special? Why should those people have to abide by your line because you say, no, we can't go there? Well, here's the thing, Jonathan. The lines that we draw oftentimes are just what we think inside of our own minds is just and right versus wrong. Mm-hmm. That's true. What we're doing here, folks, is we're looking at this saying, let's draw the line according to where God himself has drawn it for us. So we don't have to rely on our own thinking, our own emotion, our own state of being. What we rely on is his way. And the line that was given to us by God is very, very clear. Especially if you want to be a follower of Christ, it is very clear. Such were some of you, but you've been washed, you've been cleaned, you, you, you are different now. So what I'm saying is, if you're a Christian, let's get real practical here uh, in terms of dealing with this whole thing. If you're a Christian and you are gay, um, what does that mean for following Christ? I think what it means is that you should not be engaging in a physical relationship with somebody of your own sex. And, And by the same token, if you're a Christian and you are straight, but you're living with somebody... You are just as wrong as the other. And, you know, Jesus doesn't look at one of you and say, oh, well, you know, you're, you're going to be okay, but this one's terrible. They're both wrong. They're both sin. So let's put it in perspective. Christianity requires us to sacrifice some parts of our lives, whatever they may be, so we can step up higher to a God-acceptable way of living. And, you know, you may not like it. You may say, well, it doesn't seem fair. Well, But what are you going to do if that's the line that God has drawn for us? Aside from that line that God has drawn for us, Jonathan, this idea, and I want to just touch on these, and we're going to come back to these in the second hour. Just touch on uh, on this thing about gay marriage here. Folks, listen, if you're in an area where we're not on for the next hour, go to ChristianQuestions.net, click on the Listen Live button, and actually... um, 
Actually, you know what? Because we're having problems with the stream, streaming from WXLM. So what I want you to do, folks, listen carefully. Go to the WNOX 100.3 website in Tennessee. Click on their Listen Live button, and you can pick us up for the second hour because our streaming here is not working this week for some reason. WNOX 100.3 FM, their streaming button, and you can follow us for the second hour. But Jonathan, realize this, that the marriage concept is not only religious, but it has been a secular institution amongst most cultures for the last 6,000 years. Okay, It established the most basic of all human units, the family unit, and it's been established that way for thousands and thousands of years. It was marriage between a man and a woman was clearly recognized in a legal sense long before any government tried to define it. That's a good point. And, and not only that, it's been considered sacred and honored throughout all of history in, 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 in myriads of cultures. So even if you take the religious aspect out of it, what we have is ample history, human history that says this is something that has been a natural course of human events. This is what the way... Humans are built. This is the way it works. This is how children are brought into the world. There is a reason why you have a father and a mother in terms of not only actual physical procreation, but then the development of the child afterwards. You also, and folks, you might not like this either, but you have a nurturer and a provider. It's built into humanity. So these are some of the reasons outside of scriptures. And in the second hour, we're going to get into a lot more of the scriptural reasoning about how this all works and what our attitude needs to be in terms of dealing with those uh, who may be on the other side of the issue. But the bottom line is this. We want to do things in a God-honoring way. Last week, we talked about uh, love your neighbor as yourself. That's right. And But the first commandment was... Forgotten. Yeah, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. We must apply the principle of loving God first to loving our neighbor as ourselves, especially in relation to this particular issue. There's plenty more to come in the second hour, so please stay with us. Again, go to WNOX 100.3 FM website and click Listen Live if we're not on in your area. Leave your comments on Facebook. There's much, much more to talk about. For Jonathan and Rick, it's Christian Questions. Can gay rights and Christianity coexist? We'll be back again soon after the news, but till then, think about it. is Christian Questions. Indira Gandhi once said, People tend to forget their duties, but remember their rights. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Christian Questions Talk Radio with your breakfast with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Jonathan, we do have a biblical topic this morning, don't we? Yes, we do. (laughs) It's fiery. (laughs) Yes, it is. And our question, Rick, is, can gay rights and Christianity coexist? And our theme text is found in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23. All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, 
but not all things edify. So we're talking about gay rights and where they fit in relation to Christianity and asking the question, here we are in the year 2013. Is the Bible relevant anymore to the arguments and the, and, and the human rights things going on today? Should we apply the Bible not only in principle but in reality to what the guidance it gives us or is it too old-fashioned for where we are? And Rick, also a question comes to mind, where does compassion fit into this whole dilemma? Right, because in the first hour we stated very clearly that we believe that marriage is between a man and a woman, mm-hmm. and uh, we uh, believe that the Bible is not uh, in any way, shape, or form in favor of any kind of homosexual behavior. Now, there's a difference between saying, okay, a certain behavior is wrong. That doesn't make the person a wrong person. That's right. The Christian principle, love the sinner, not the sin. Right. Exactly. And in the first hour, we talked about 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11. Remember, he gave this long list of all of these things, you know, idolaters and robbers and liars Thieves. and greedy. And, mm-hmm. and it says, none of these will enter the kingdom. And it says, and, but such were some of you. Right. But you have been washed, you've been cleaned, you've been changed, you've stepped up to a higher way of living. That's what we see as the biblical principle in dealing with an issue like this. Now, that certainly does not make a lot of people happy. No. But the question you have to ask yourself is, okay, are you going to go according to the Word of God, or are you going to make the Word of God going according to what you think it should say? Hmm. <laughs> and that that we have to get into that. So yeah. let's let's talk about this thing about compassion, okay? All right. And how do we put compassion in place here in dealing with such a subject, folks? We'd love to hear from you at eight six six nine eight five four two five five toll free eight six six nine eight five four all. We are live Sunday mornings from seven to nine, and that means we're on right now. And stay connected to Rick and I at ChristianQuestions.net, no matter the day or time. We've been listening to Dr. Phil and uh, a discussion that he had, a very good discussion, very lively, very provoking discussion. We're going to diverge from that for a moment here. Uh, this was the discussion on Christianity and homosexuality we found on, on YouTube. And it, the, the, sort of the core question here is, who did Jesus attract to him? Let's listen. When, when I got to Philadelphia, I met a kid in college who told me he was attracted to men and he felt like God had made a mistake when God made him. That's what he felt from the church. It's what he felt from society. He felt that, you know, from, from hearing things like this is not natural. Um, and so he felt like God made a mistake, a mistake and he wanted to kill himself. And that breaks my heart. And, I, and I, I feel like if that kid can't find a home in the church, who have we become? Right? That, that we need to attract the people that Jesus attracted and Jesus attracted the hurting, the broken, the socially ostracized. Again, there's a very compelling argument there. There is. You know, look, Jesus did go to the hurting and the broken and the ostracized. Mm-hmm. And, and what did he say to them? Matthew 11, 28 to, to 30. This is Jesus, Jesus' words. These are some of the most famous words in the New Testament. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus is saying, come to me if you are heavy laden, I can give you rest. He also says, learn from me. Right, right. <laughs> Very good point. Okay. And, and, you know, when you, you hear somebody talk about a young man like that who feels like God made a mistake the way he created him. Again, we mentioned it in the first hour. We need to repeat it. God did not make anybody gay. God did not make anybody straight. God didn't make uh, people tall or short. God did not make people pedophiles. God did not make us this way. We are products of our gene pool, which is in the context of a sinful world. God created Adam. God created Eve. God put Jesus on this world. The, the commonality between those three? Perfection. Perfection. The rest yeah. of us, we're out of that loop. We yep. just are. And so God allowed these things, and it's all not fair. All of it is not fair. So what do you do with somebody who feels like, feels like that? And, Your heart breaks for them. And, you know, but the, the, the man in the, in the soundbite was right. That, 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 that young man should be able to find a place in the church. He should be able to find compassion and understanding, shouldn't he? He should. So how do we do that? Well, um, Jesus, here, first of all, Jonathan, Jesus does not call us to him to ease our burdens. I know it's kind of you know, part of what it said in, in that last verse, but you brought up that important point, come to learn, learn of from me. me. Yep. Jesus calls us to him as we are, not so we stay that way, but so we can become what we can be by following him. That's right. So Our Je potential. Jesus calls us yeah. to transformation. That's right. And within the context of Christianity, if we are not focused on transformation, then we are missing the main point of all of what Christianity is, is about. And then we are stuck with taking people as they are, saying, well, okay, we have to love you as you are, and we're not going to require anything of you. Are you going to have a pedophile come into, into your church and say, it's okay, you can be and do what you think is right for you because it's you and we respect you as you are and Jesus loves you as you are. No, you're not. No. You're going to call that individual and say, yes, come to Christ Change. And, and put away the sin of the past and let us walk with you as you put it away. Big difference. Mm -hmm. Big difference. Romans six seventeen to 19 helps us to understand we have to step out of our previous affiliation and into the school of Christ. And Jonathan, this is how we apply compassion to this issue. But thanks be to God that you, having once been slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the form of teaching to which you were entrusted, and that you, having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to greater and greater iniquity, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness for sanctification. That is such a powerful verse. The, the last two lines there, just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and greater and greater iniquity, now present your members as slaves to righteousness. That's exactly what we're talking about. Jesus calls us to him to transform, to step away from and to step above. To become more Christ-like. Exactly. That's the point of the Christian church. And folks, if you're going to a church that's not giving you that point... You have to ask yourself, well, what's the point then? Because it's transforming from sin to righteousness, from earthliness to spirituality. That's what the Christian church is supposed to do. It's also supposed, and there is no better way to compassionately deal with somebody having an issue than to love them, 
for who they are and show them the way that Christ laid out for us so they can step up. Well, I had a question at this point. Can you be a Christian and be in a gay relationship? Will you be accepted by God? See, I, I just don't think it falls under the heading of fornication. And, you know, the scripture says fornicators will not inherit the kingdom. So what does that tell you? But you can be a gay individual and put away a lifestyle that is contrary to God's will and be fully acceptable. So I think that's the, it's, it's our behavior. You know, the interesting thing about the scriptures, Jonathan, is, is the Bible doesn't deal with um, orientation. It doesn't deal with sexual orientation, quote right, unquote. What right. it does deal with is sexual behavior. Mm. And it says there are certain behaviors that are acceptable and there are certain behaviors that are not and it's very, very simple, very straightforward. Uh, Jonathan, let's go to the phones. All right, we have Julius from Connecticut. Good morning, Julius, and welcome to Christian Questions. Oh, boy, good morning. <laughs> you good. got a toughie here. Yes, we do. Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, a uh, couple of quick points here. Uh, number one, I, I appreciate your uh, focus on compassion. Compassion and respect, uh, I think those are critical. Uh my answer, I like the, uh, the so many uh, uh, Christian uh, ministers when they ask the question. I, I, I would, you know, I concur with you in what they said. I believe in the traditional form of marriage. The, the God created man and woman for that purpose. And here is the thing. What aligns, which concept aligns closer to God's design? For the human family, that's what I would favor. I say, again, respectfully, and uh, like I say, uh, one eighteen is come. Let us reason together, and so forth. So uh, God wants us to to uh, reason, wants to uh, pursue uh, what uh, His original intent was for the human family. That's all I got to say. It's uh, it's, a, it's a tough one. I appreciate your courage and. Uh, candor in presenting it. God bless. Thank you, Julius. Appreciate your call. And, and Julius, again, points us in that right direction, saying, you know, focus on what is acceptable to God. It's, and, and, and look, folks, you can say, yeah, but you know, you're cutting out, cutting my legs right out from under me. You're cutting out a big portion of my life. And, and my answer to that is, no, we're not. What we're doing is we're giving you a way to replace a portion of your life with spirituality if you want to come follow Christ. And see, that's the thing. It's not leaving you without it's giving you something to replace sinfulness with. And, and that, it's hard, Jonathan. It's, it is. It's hard, but, you know, we have to look at things. Romans, we won't read the whole thing, but Romans eight eleven to 13. Julius, thanks so much for the call. We appreciate it, as always. Romans eight eleven to 13 talks about to mortify the deeds of the flesh. Let's just read verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Again, and when you look at the lists in, in the New Testament that are not pleasant lists to read, that's right. there's a whole lot more on those lists than gay relationships. That's right. There's a whole lot more. It says, look, it says the greedy will not inherit the kingdom. Wow. And so what we must do with the same, uh, with the same zeal is put greed away from us. Yes. Because if we don't, you don't inherit the kingdom. It's sin. It is, that is the compassionate way to do it. It's, see, compassion, I believe... The best compassion is not to just say, oh, everything's okay. The best compassion is to see reality for what it is, the, the good part and the bad part, and to say, okay, we understand that's where you are. Let's, 
let's let's feel your pain with you and then let's walk together to a higher level to get away from those things that are not good for you according to the scriptures so that to me is the best possible compassion that we can we can have the other thing we have to do, Jonathan, is we have to choose who our master will be. Colossians 3, 2-5. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also be, will be revealed with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever is in you that's earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. So again, when you look at that, you've got to realize that you know, fornication is in there. And, and, and look, if folks, if, if, you are, if you are living together with somebody else and you're not married, that's fornication. Yes, it is. And that is not acceptable. And, and you know, when we say, well, you know, the world is different and things are different, yeah, well, the world is different. But God's rules, God's guidance towards spirituality is not. And if you want to be a follower of Christ, you cannot be a follower of sin and a follower of Christ at the same time. You know, it's the Joshua verse, choose ye this day whom you will serve. You could serve idolatry or you can serve God. You have a choice and compassion says, let's understand what the choice is and work toward spirituality. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, can gay rights and Christianity coexist? Coming up, some of God's own people were involved in polygamy. Does this destroy the one man, one woman concept? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Can Gay Rights and Christianity Coexist? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.net. And Jonathan, we do want to encourage uh, folks to sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition. Um, it's a free service, and there's a lot of material on there. You're going to see the scriptures and see a lot of the text of what we talked about in the program. Uh, but the bonus material, you know, another issue is that there's, there's scriptures in Leviticus that specifically forbid... Uh, homosexuality right the pro-gay christian community says those verses are what they call throwaway verses throwaway verses. yeah that they're in the context of you know of saying well you can't wear uh, cotton and wool at the same time too so you know what are you doing uh so we can throw that away why can't we throw this away oh I see. we have a very clear specific scriptural answer to that Seek or rewind the bonus material, full edition. Sign up at ChristianQuestions.net. Exclusive there, free, uh, and available to you. Um, Jonathan, let's go to the, this idea of, of the Old Testament law a little bit. You mentioned polygamy uh, at the end of the last segment. I did indeed. Okay. Before we get to polygamy, let's go back to the Dr. Phil same-sex marriage program. Because he's talking about, it's interesting, they're talking about an interracial marriage precedent that's being used as a uh, model for pushing gay marriage through. And the court in California, a case called Perez versus Sharp, which none of you mentioned, decided by our California Supreme Court 60 years ago, decided to strike down the ban on interracial marriage in California. Why? Because at that time they found that marriage is a fundamental constitutional right and, there, and that it must be enjoyed also by couples of different races. They used that case as precedent 
for our case, for these marriage cases. And I, and it's I, a fundamental right, the, and you can't deny same-gender couples that constitutional right. And you can hear well, that other woman passionate. who wants to, but the, the, the answer to that is actually very, very fascinating. And, and we're going to get to that a little bit later in this segment. Uh, so let's, let's sort of leave that on the table. I'm not even going to comment on that yet because we're right. going to come back to it. Let's talk about polygamy for a few minutes here. All right. Let's look at something that many say destroys the Bible's one man, one woman credibility, and that is polygamy. Many say that the Bible is full of this practice and it goes against the one man, one woman marriage concept and therefore, Exceptions to that concept are acceptable. So they're saying, okay, because God doesn't even uphold this one man, one woman thing, because God sanctioned all of these polygamous relationships, uh, you know, gay relationships should be okay too. He did? He sanctioned <laughs> well, them? Well, <laughs> let, let's get to that. There's only, first of all, there's only a few examples of polygamy in the scriptures. Secondly, most notable are those examples of kings in the Old Testament. Oh, okay. Okay, that's where most of them fall. And thirdly, there are no Christian examples of polygamy. Only one man, one woman. Very specific. Oh, that's interesting. Okay? okay. Now, there's more on that, but you know what? Before we get into some scriptures, because there's a very revealing scripture on this, but before we get to that, let's go to the phones. All right. We have Sean from Tennessee. Good morning, Sean, and welcome to Christian Questions. Hey, good morning. Um, I enjoy the program. I listen to it. I work third shift, and I listen to it every morning driving home. Well, good. Thanks. Um so I, I'm confused about a, a point, and, and I want to ask you your opinion or, or what the Bible would say about this. Um, I'm in my car, and I can't pinpoint the exact verse, but I do remember a verse where Jesus was feeding a child, and he mentioned, uh, if anybody does this with, with any of my children, they're doing it with me. Do you, you know what verse I'm referring to? Yes. Yeah, I can't give you the verse, but I was actually reading the, uh, those verses actually yesterday. That's kind of odd. <laughs> right, right. Well, what I'm confused about is I have a friend, a, a really good friend of mine. She has spent all of her adult life taking in children who came from uh, foster children who came from homes uh, that were, you know, drug-ridden and things like that, and, and the children became children of the state. And she spent all of her adult life taking care of these kids. She's raised almost 14 kids now wow. uh, to an adult age, and she still takes in kids. And she has that compassion for children, you know, mm -hmm. and she also happens to be a lesbian in mm -hmm. a lesbian relationship. Mm -hmm. So I can't correlate, I can't fathom in my brain that God would oust somebody with such compassion and such love in their heart just because they fell in love with a female instead of a male. Man, that is a very, very, very good question, Sean. Um, here, here's what we're going to do, Sean. We're going we're to have to let you go. We're going to sort of work, okay. work the answer to that question in. And I'm going to tell you, we're probably not going to be able to answer it really fully, but we're going we're gonna to at least get started. And I want to come back to that very issue. We're going to need to dedicate an entire program to that because that's such a good question. So okay. th thanks so much. We appreciate it. Take care, Sean. Great question, Jonathan. And, you know, the short answer is, I don't believe that God will reject someone who is so, so, so humanly compassionate. Now, I don't believe that that, that that action and that activity warrants the heavenly reward that we're talking about, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of Christian. Because Jesus says, if you're following after me, you know, in my Father's house are many mansions, yes. and so forth. So you've got that heavenly reward, but I believe that the scriptures give an open door to Jesus says there's going to be a resurrection 
of the just and the unjust. Right, and a day of judgment. Now, the yes. day of judgment is not a day of fire and brimstone or anything like that. It's a day of judgment. It's a day of trial through which people will be able to live and then live eternally. And I think a person like that is destined to, to a wonderful life uh, in, in that context from an earthly standpoint. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that's, that's my very short answer on that, Sean. Thanks so much. We will come back to that very question and dedicate, you know, because that sounds like, well, that doesn't sound like a normal Christian perspective, but we will dedicate an entire program to laying out scriptural reasoning for that. Again, Sean, thanks so much. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And if you have any questions on our subject, ask your questions at ChristianQuestions.net, or go to Facebook or email us at Rick at ChristianQuestions.net. Let's look at God's treatment, or, or, or how God deals with the polygamy in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy seventeen fourteen to 20. When you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you, and you possess it and take it, and you say... Wait, wait, wait. And you say. And, okay. and you say. Okay, so this is, not, this is not God saying, and this is what I say. This is God saying, and this is what you're going to say. I will set a king over me like all the nations who are around me. God did want, not want them to have kings, no. right? Right, he did not. But you say you're going to do that. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so now the next verse. You shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses, one from among your countrymen you shall set as king over yourself. So God says you're going to want a king, and I'm going to let you have one. I will. And God in another place told him how bad it was going to be. That's right, he did. Because that's not the way he wanted it. He but wanted he said, judges. That's what you want? Okay, that's what I'll get. Now, and here is what God says is going to happen. Now, listen carefully to this next verse. He shall not multiply wives for himself, or else his heart will turn away. Now, just we don't have time to go through this whole verse, Jonathan, but think about that. So God says, okay, you're going to set a king up over yourself. I'm going to let you, even though that's not the way I want it to be. Remember, Samuel mm -hmm. went to, 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 Israel, uh, to God and said, Israel wants a king. What do I do? And God says, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. Right. We'll give them their king. But here, way back in Deuteronomy... He says, when you set up your king, which you will want, he should not have multiple wives. There it is. Well, how did that work out? <laughs> okay. Um, and, and just go to verse 18. All right. Verse 18. Now, it shall come about when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself a copy of this law on a scroll in the presence of the Levit Levitical priests. It shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life. Then he may learn to fear the Lord his God by carefully observing all the words of this law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted up above his countrymen, and that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right or to the left. So God says way back in Deuteronomy, before there was any hint of a king, God says, you're going to want a king, and I'm going to let you do it. He says, but I'm telling you, the king shall not have multiple wives. This is God's word, and he should take this scroll, what I'm saying to you here, Moses, now, he should take this and read it every day to remember... Not to take multiple wives. And not to do several other things. Right. Well, God was not, therefore, in favor of the polygamy of the Old Testament. Obviously not. He did allow it. 
He did allow it because it was one of the sinful things that mankind wanted. God allows sin to grow. He allows it to develop. He tells us what he wants, but he allows us to do whatever we want, and we will take the consequences thereafter. There you go. So I think that's an important way to look at this whole polygamy thing. God specifically said, don't do it. So, does it undermine the one man, one woman credibility? No. Not at all. Not at all. Remember we talked about, uh, we listened to that interracial marriage precedent? Yes. As being a precedent for uh, gay relationships, okay? You know, it's, it's okay for people of different races to marry. Therefore, what we're saying now is it should be okay for people of the same sex to marry. Listen to the response of the other woman who kept trying to speak Wanting up to, speak, yeah. <laughs> uh, to that intermarriage um, uh, result, the legal results of what happened as a result of that. Of how the government is going to treat religious organizations that don't see a union of two men, just like a husband and wife. The interracial marriage analogy is very clear. It's a threat to the licenses of professionals. This is what we don't let bigots who oppose interracial marriage do. We don't let them have professional licenses. You can't be a psychiatrist, a lawyer, a social worker, a teacher. If you don't view interracial marriages as marriage, you can't have an accredited school system if you don't believe in interracial marriage. Your tax-exempt status at both the state and the federal okay, level are affected. Okay, there are large it. legal consequences. totally out of time. Sorry. <laughs> she stops right away. Everybody else keeps, keeps trying to talk. But, uh, but so she says there is incredible legal consequences if you don't allow interracial marriage. And what she's saying is what we think the gay community is looking for is to put us religiously into that same category. Whoa. And, and you know, again, we don't, we're not political here, but it just gives you an idea of the consequences of looking at things uh, in different ways. So if we don't take the moral guidelines of the scriptures and hold them up as a standard, then where does our standard come from? The answer to this inevitably is that it would come from what we believe to be right within ourselves, and that opens up a whole can of worms. It sure does. And, Jonathan, let's go back to the phones here. We're getting a little short on time in the segment. But, All uh, right. We have Derek okay. from Tennessee. Good morning, Derek, and welcome to Christian Questions. Hey, I just want to comment on uh, what's uh, the topic about uh, gay marriage. Yes, sir. I think that we are going about it the wrong way. I think we're trying to deal with the people instead of dealing with the spirit because sin is actually a spirit that uh, came from heaven. And I think that we just need to focus on dealing with the spirit instead of trying to deal with the people. Okay, so what you're saying is dealing with the spirit puts the thing in its right perspective. Dealing with the people, you're just getting into how people feel and then you're trying to appease that. Yes, yes. Okay, makes good sense. Good thought, Derek. Well, thank you so much, Derek. All right, thanks. Appreciate it. Take care. And, and you know, <laughs> it's taken me an hour and a half to say that. <laughs> he said it in about 30 seconds. <laughs> so, and, and really, because it, it's a matter of just getting to what the most important thing is. And if you are a Christian and you want to follow after Christ, yes, there are things that are not acceptable as we follow after Christ. We can start there. Christ allows us to start there, but he doesn't want us to finish there. And see, here's what happens, Jonathan. If we self-rule, if, if, if what we feel rules us... Problems. Yes. Well, and here's the first problem. Our emotions will hide our ethics. Good point. Because how we feel overrides what is most important. 
also our seeking of pleasures overpowers our following of principles. And, you know, seeking of pleasure is so, is so emotionally driven yes. and it's so in front of us. Principles we always have to remind ourselves of, remind mm-hmm. ourselves. When you're seeking pleasure, you don't have to remind yourself, hey, this is fun. No. <laughs> you know, I mean, dark chocolate, I never have to tell myself, Rick, you know, dark chocolate is tasty. I know it is. <laughs> and give me an opportunity to eat it and I will. <laughs> okay? So when we seek pleasure, we, it overrides principles. And that is a danger zone, for, especially for a Christian. Next, next point. The fulfilling of our desires buries our focus on our discipline. Because desire and discipline are driven. Again, desire is an emotionally based uh, action. Discipline is an intellectually based action. We make a decision. And if we're coming to Christ and we are gay, what we need to do is decide to follow Christ, not what our desires say. And look... Not that I want to make this part of, a big part of the discussion, but if you're a pedophile and you come to Christ, you have to decide to not allow your desires to override your scriptural and spiritual discipline. Our feelings can override our faith, and our circumstances can cause us to question our conviction. Uh, that puts things in the wrong place. What we need to do is keep things going in the right direction because our spirituality is the most important thing. If you are a Christian and you love Jesus and you want to follow in his footsteps, then please make sure we understand what Jesus sees and what he wants for us. He doesn't want us to stay where we are. He wants us to become something more. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Can Gay Rights and Christianity Coexist? Coming up, should we become Christian uh, activists about gay marriage? Or should our focus be making our calling an election sure? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Can Gay Rights and Christianity Coexist? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.net. And Jonathan, uh, you know, you asked the question at the end of the last segment, should we become Christian activists? Should we be, you know, out there picketing and, and, and standing up for rights and so forth and so on? Well, first of all, let's look at 2 Corinthians 5.20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ... Be reconciled to God. So, you know, that says you're an, amb- an ambassador represents the nation from which they come, and they're mm-hmm. in a foreign nation. Right. So, as an ambassador, it says, you know, your message is for people to be reconciled to God. So, you have a sense of, okay, you have to be willing to say that. You have to, but does that mean we get politically involved in the issue? No. <laughs> and, and that's where I think we need to draw a line. Um, before we go to our next soundbite, which is a really good one, let, let's um, go to the phone's all right, we have David from Tennessee. Good morning, David, and welcome to Christian Questions. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So, uh, quick question for you. Um, you were talking about how um, it's not what's in our head that's the issue, it's our behavior, correct? Um, well, what we're saying is that God doesn't, in terms of homosexuality, God doesn't say, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, you know, anybody with a homosexual orientation is inherently bad. It's what they do with it. That's, that was the context of our, our thought. But go ahead. Right. Right. So, so my quick question is, um, how, 
Uh, just just one one thing I want to reconcile it with is, is another part of the Bible, of course, where, uh, you know, it said, uh, thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's wife. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking that that's something that's in someone's head yes. and, uh, and not behavior-oriented. I was just wondering about your thoughts on reconciling those two. Boy, that's a great question. You're good, man. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dave, thanks. We'll, we'll, we'll give a comment uh, on this right away here. And, thanks and, so much. Thank you. You know, and I'm glad he brought that up because we were talking during the break and I was supposed to bring up something along those lines and it just didn't. So David did it for this us. This is perfect. Yeah, because Jesus says, and let's, let's bring it to the New Testament. Jesus says if you, if you, uh, lust after, after another, uh, woman. another woman, you're committing adultery in your heart. That's right. So what is in your head is important. Now, here's the thing, Jonathan. You know, th- there's a saying that goes, you know, you can let the bird fly over your head, but just don't let them build a nest in your hair. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thoughts come into our heads. Right. We can't help it. Right. But what we can do is show them the exit. There you go. Okay. If you allow the thought to come in and to build itself and to make a home, that, for a Christian, is sinful. David's right. And pray for strength right. to not think of that right. and ask forgiveness right. and then move forward. Right. So David brought up an unbelievably important point that, yes, what does go on in your head is of vital importance to the Christian, and we need to show those thoughts the exit sign. We need to get them out, get them out, get them out. So, David, thanks so much for bringing that point out. It's very important. And, you know, look, just because we're talking about gay marriage here doesn't mean that heterosexuals are off the, uh, uh, you know... Radar. Yeah, (laughs) uh, uh, off the radar, because we're not. Because, you know what, if Jesus said that that happens, then we're all liable. Yep. And so we have to be on our guard. That's the whole point of stepping up to a higher way of being to spirituality. David, thanks again uh, for your thought. Jonathan, I want to go back to uh, one, uh, another soundbite from uh, Dr. Phil's discussion. Uh, this is a black woman talking about uh, regarding the uh, equating gay rights uh, to, the, to the civil rights struggle of the black community. And the gay rights activism is actually doing that. It's saying it's a, it's a civil right, just like the civil rights struggle of the black community. This is a black woman responding to that, and this is a very emotional thing for her. Okay, let us speak. This is a struggle for people to have basic rights. Let us speak. Hold on. Listen. Listen. Shame on you. Listen. Listen. I don't care what you do. Okay? What I'm saying is you cannot, you cannot, you can, you have never, you have never met an ex-black person. You have never She brings up an important point. It's hard to understand, but her point is, look, the, the civil rights struggle is different because, first of all, our civil rights were being violated just by the mere color of our skin. And you've never met an ex-black person. I can't change my color. There have been many people, and she's right, there have been people who have changed their sexual orientation. That's right. Okay, and she's saying it's a different kind of struggle, and she found it insulting mm-hmm. to equate the two. And I, and I, and I would agree with her. Yeah. It's different. It's different. So I thought that was an important point. Uh, Jonathan, as we go through this, for Christians, it's a scriptural imperative that we remain separate from the world and the way the world thinks. And again, this comes back to uh, some of what David was saying in, in that last phone call. We're going to read just por- portions of 1 Corinthians ten fourteen to 24. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. You judge what I say. So run away from idolatry. Now, now let's skip down. What do I mean then? That a thing sacrificed to idols is anything, or that an idol is anything? No, but I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. I do not want 
you to become sharers in demons. So I do not want you to become sharers in demons. I don't want you to be making your sacrifices of goodness to something not godly. Right. Again, it's love your neighbor as yourself in the context of love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Right. First. First. If we love God first, then we know how to love our neighbor second. And that really does apply to this whole debate here. It really does. It's, it's, it's a very important uh, precedent for us. Um, like it or not, as a, as a Christian, uh, we, we can't live a divided life. And just read verse 21 of that as well. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Okay, so it's that Joshua thing from the Old Testament that we mentioned. Choose you this day who you will serve. You can't serve both. We don't bring along with us the old and expect it to meld into the new. Right. And, and you know, one, one of the things, and, and I, I'm, this is a different subject, but I want to mention it. Christianity historically has done that to its detriment. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea of, of having Christmas celebrated at the birth of the sun so you could draw the pagans into, into Christianity. Yeah. How did that work out? Ugh, not so good. You know, the idea of you mixing the, the, the resurrection with Easter, which is a pagan celebration. How did that work out? Not, not so, so good. good. We can't bring worldly things into spirituality. We just, that's, that's just not the right way to, to cope with these things. Last, uh, folks, look, if you have a thought, now is absolutely the time, 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985, for all, we are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And our website, christianquestions.net. And don't forget to go to Seeker Rewind, the full edition, sign up at christianquestions.net, it's free, all of what we're talking about and much more will be on that document. It's a PDF file that comes as an attachment to an email. You're going to love it. I'm Just try it out for a few weeks. You're not going to be sorry. Let's go to our last. This is a great, you know, most of the... Um, most of the statements we've played from the Dr. Phil program are on the sort of the other side of the issue. Yes. This is a great pro-traditional marriage statement um, from this, um, as they were wrapping up part of this discussion on this Dr. Phil program. Let's listen. I, I want respect for the reality that there's something special about unions of husbands and wives. Marriage has a, a dignity and a purpose. It's not rooted in hatred or animus towards anyone. And if we could come together about practical things that help each other live our lives, I think Americans would feel very differently. But right now, the proposition on the table is this ancient and honorable idea of marriage is the moral and should be the legal equivalent of racism. And I think that's really wrong. And I think she summed it up really, really well there. Okay. So, Jonathan, you know, we want to spend the rest of our time here. Folks, again, if you have a a thought, give us a call right now, 866-985-4255. But just going over what we believe to be basic principal points of what makes traditional marriage uh, something very, very special and something that should not be messed with. Now, before we get to that, though, I just want to make a quick comment because our screener came in and wrote me a note and said, okay, what if you're gay but you come to Christ and you don't practice it? What do you do then? And the answer is, you continue to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And you know what happens? God blesses you. God gives you spiritual strength to cope. Am I saying it's going to be easy? No, absolutely not. But that's what fellowship in Christ is all about. We have others to help us, others to be accountable to, so we live up to a higher standard. So it is possible, and and, and it can be done. So... 
why do I, and I'm talking about me, why do I, Rick, as a Christian, firmly hold the line that marriage is between a man and a woman? Several points. First, it's a, go ahead. It is, it is a 6,000-plus-year-old line established right from the beginning, right? Okay, and second point, it established the most basic of all human units, the family unit. So it's yes. been, been around literally for the entire uh, history of mankind, and it established what we've always known as a family unit. It was clearly recognized in a legal sense long before any government tried defining it. So even before there were governments guiding people's lives, there was the legal sense of what marriage was. Now, this is outside of the Bible. That's okay? right. All of these points so far are not biblical. They're just historical facts. It has been considered sacred and honored throughout all of history. Look at societies that did not have scripturally uh, sound, you know, scriptural reasoning at all, and you see a, an honoring of marriage throughout all of history. It works and has worked in myriads of cultures for 6,000 plus years. So many cultures over many different kinds of times in different parts of the world, and you have, you come back to this marriage, one man, one woman thing. It has been viewed as a model according to which we can build a happy and fulfilled life. And when you look at that, and in a few weeks we're going to do a program on marriage. And it, it just gives you a sense of, look, there is something valuable here that can really give a happy and fulfilled life. And, and that's one of the reasons that we look at traditional marriage as something that ought to be recognized as sacred. Because, Jonathan, this is, a, this is the history of all of humankind that's been written. And we can reflect on this, and this, this, this point keeps coming back to us. Traditional view of marriage, there's never, ever, ever been anything wrong with it. That's right. And it is literally the natural way to conceive children. Right. Before the age of science and technology and artificial insemination and all of that stuff, the way to conceive children, the natural way, the way that was most often practiced throughout all of the world, throughout all of history was a man and a woman in a marriage covenant. It is the natural way to raise children, as a child is literally the product of a man and a woman. So by conceiving, conceiving, and you know, we, we screw this up, Jonathan, because we think we're so smart in this age. We, you, we think that, okay, you can conceive any way you want, and then you raise it a different way. That's not the way the species was designed. Let's understand that when we mess with the actual design of the species, we're going to end up getting into all kinds of problems. It's the natural way to raise children by those that conceived the child. It, by virtue of the physical makeup of men and women, defined provider and nurturer. Now, some people may not like that, but the fact of the matter is that a woman's body is built to carry, to give birth, and then to nourish and, and, and uh, nurture that child. Yes. Mm-hmm. A man's body is far more built to go out and provide for that child. The fact of the matter is that you have a, an inclusive package included in what we determine to be um, traditional marriage. And again, Jonathan, the important part of this is none of these points so far are based on the Bible. This is just all based on physical history of physical humanity. And it is the standard by which even in this moral... Morally decrepit society... Yeah, child-rearing is measured. Right. We always measure how our children being raised by looking back to the nuclear family, the father, mother, and the children. Mm -hmm. We look back at that as a standard. 
One minute. Because that standard has always been there. So why are we taking something that for all of the recorded history of humanity has worked and has... Now, look, is it perfect? No. no. Heavens, no. Not I'm, in a sinful no, world. No, no, no. But it has gives a child the best opportunity. And again, folks, this comes down in a lot of ways to the rights of the child. The child has a right to all of those things we just stated. Again, folks, sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition. You get all of these points. Three last points here, Jonathan. These are the three that are religious. Everything else was not. These are the three that are. I believe this line to have been drawn by God. God in the creation of Adam and Eve drew that line. It was confirmed by Jesus. Jesus took and quoted that scripture. And it was confirmed by the apostles. So you have the biblical part as a small portion of the overall reasoning on the value, the sanctity, the sacredness, and, and the, the appropriateness of traditional marriage. Again, folks, as we as Christians wrap this program up, the important thing is this. Do we believe in gay marriage? No. Are we going to tell somebody because they're gay, they're not acceptable to Christ? No. What we are going to say is that according to Scripture, we need to behave in a way that will be acceptable to God through Jesus. All of us have to leave sinful things behind. Every one of us, I don't care, this is not about sexual orientation. It's about leaving what's earthly behind and striving toward what's spiritual. On, in relation to people who are not Christians that are gay, you must have respect for them and you must love them, even if they position themselves as your enemy. For Jonathan and Rick, it's Christian Questions. We hope you've enjoyed being with us this morning. We certainly enjoyed talking to you. We'll be back again next week with another subject. But till then, gay rights and Christianity, they can coexist in a very specific way. Till next week, think about it.